On today's show, four pillars that will lead you to more practical action for productivity, plus a free upcoming webinar. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 202. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Yes, you can lead, and this weekly show drives your professional development with resources, tools, and learning so you can do exactly that. Welcome back to the show. If you're joining for the first time, I'm glad you have you have joined today because I'm welcoming back to the show today a dear friend of mine and a past guest, Tim Stringer. Tim is with Technically Simple, and he is really um, an expert at helping people to be more holistically productive. And in fact, uh, he has been on the show previously on two occasions, uh, back in episode 151, talking about how to be more productive. And uh, also most recently on episode 183, using technology to build and strengthen relationships. And today we're going to really begin on how to be more productive. We're going to Uh, We'll talk about that episode we aired almost a year ago. Don't worry if you haven't listened to it before, because we're going to move pretty quickly today into what are the practical actions you can take in order to be more productive on the things that really matter. And we've got a call to action for you on a further step you can do uh, with that as well. Um, So with that, let me uh, introduce Tim. Tim, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, Dave. It's great to be uh, back on Coaching for Leaders. It is. And uh, and you and I talk, uh, gosh, weekly, if not more often than that. And I've always been really grateful for the perspective you bring on looking at the big picture about career, life, productivity, and also um, being very uh, practical with it too. And I think that that's something that is, is helpful for all of us. And you really strike a good balance with that. And uh our, our show talking about this was one of my favorites last year, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, but before we get too much into the the what are the actions we can take, I think it might make sense to just give a, a brief overview for those who um, didn't hear the previous show, which I know is a lot of people in the community, on uh, on on how you approach this. What are you what are you thinking of when you're looking at things from a holistic productivity model with the people you work with? Yeah, sure. And just to give a little bit of background, the um, holistic productivity concept and methodology is something that emerged from experiences I've had in in many different areas of life, from uh, working in the corporate world to uh, being a yoga yoga teacher and student, and being exposed to all the the uh, wisdom from from Eastern practices, as well as being a uh, coach and having worked uh, in a coaching capacity with many people over the years, and some. Um, I kind of needed a name to encapsulate all of these things that I'd learned, and holistic productivity uh, was the one that really, really seemed to fit well. And it, the the holistic side basically acknowledges that as humans, we're multifaceted. There's many different aspects to our lives. We have jobs, we have families, we have relationships, uh, we have hobbies and interests, and maybe play sports. We have our health to take care of, and our living spaces and so forth. So there's many different uh, facets to to life. And one thing I've observed is that anytime there's a positive shift created in those one of those areas, it inevitably creates a, at least some positive shift in other areas of life. So an obvious example might be if someone uh, 
maybe starts to exercise uh, more and get into shape or sleep more at night, they might go into work feeling much more relaxed and, uh, and ultimately this will affect, affect their, their work in a very positive way. Um, and their tendency, if work's kind of suffering, might be to put all the attention on work, but sometimes it's actually much more productive to put it on another, another area of life and give that some attention uh, and approach it kind of indirectly. Tim, I've, I can't help but notice that of many of the people that have great systems for people, uh, uh, Dale Carnegie included you, many other systems I'm familiar with, are really intentional on helping people focus on one or two things at a time versus trying to take on everything. I think that that's a, a mistake often we make when we're trying to get better at doing things is we try to do a little bit in a lot of areas instead of doing like what you said of focus on one area that will really help benefit all the other areas too, if you really did identify that well. And I know that's that's part of your methodology. Um, and you've identified four pillars on how to do that that we talked about in the previous episode. But I, I know today we're going to look at each of these four pillars, but talk about what are some of the things that you and I do practically. And um, I've actually done some prep work for our conversation today and looked at just you know all the different areas of my life, professionally and personally. And so, um, to the extent you'd like to, you can you can uh, ask me about this and see where we go as far as what what are the kinds of things a person should be thinking of when they're thinking about how can I be more holistically productive? Yeah, no, that sounds great. And so, I thought we could go through each of the the four pillars. I'll give a brief summary of um, the concept and the practice around each each pillar. Okay, and great. then yeah, definitely going into the practical side is ultimately what makes this meaningful. And there's a lot of great information out there and I think one of the missing pieces is having a way to practice this and having even some examples to some inspiration to draw upon. So Okay, good, um, good. Well, let's jump yeah. in the first one here, which is the first pillar of inner reflection. So, um, and I know sometimes some of these terms can sound touchy-feely to people. So t- tell me like from a practical standpoint, when you're working with people, first of all, what does inner reflection mean? But what, what can you do to help people to really look inward on thinking about productivity? Yeah, so inner reflection. This first pillar was really inspired by a quote I read in uh, a book by Tony Schwartz. Uh, it's called The Way We're Working Isn't Working. And um, he quoted a couple of psychologists at Harvard University that said, we're already the most over-informed, under-reflective people in the history of civilization. And and that uh, it felt like such a blunt statement, but at the same time, it, it really rang true. And both uh, for my, from my own experience and what I've witnessed uh, uh, with others is there's just so much so much to draw our attention out of ourselves, out of our uh, sort of own sort of inner environment. And that inner environment would be where we contemplate, where we get a, a sense, does this feel right? Is this, uh, is this something that's aligned with who I am and my values in life and things like that? So a lot of that, uh, those really key understandings, I think, are getting lost uh, in favor of focusing outwards. And even people like going to Google and trying to find the the answers to what's their purpose. And they might find some useful information there, but I think it's ultimately the the inner reflection that is is going to deliver uh, deliver meaningful results in that area. So in a in a very practical sense, uh, journaling I find is one of the most uh, most powerful ways to to reflect. And even uh, this earlier today, before we uh, before we started recording, I just took some time to reflect on you know what could this interview look like and what were some things that I really wanted to communicate and and just giving myself a space to do that um, without it being kind of too contrived. It's really just kind of tapping into 
sort of that inner inner wisdom that gets buried in the noise of everyday life. Um, uh, it's amazing how how much clarity I was able to achieve in a very short period of time. Uh, so journaling is one practice, certainly um, a meditation in its many forms, and that could be a formal meditation practice. Maybe someone just goes running in the morning or walks their dog, and and it kind of takes them out of the the sort of busyness, external focus, and allows them to connect. Yeah, I'd just be curious what are what are some practices that you engage in either regularly or occasionally that kind of feed this area. A bunch of of things come to mind, Tim. Um, most of the things you've mentioned are not things that I do as regularly as I'd like to. Um, one of them is journaling, and I have I have started to do that a lot more regularly. Although I still don't do it daily by any means. Um, and one of the things that I I really thought was is neat about your model, and and you have actually sent this to me in advance of our conversation today, is the wheel of life, and using this as a model for how to help people get clarity and reflect on what's going on internally. Um, and what this is for the benefit of, of, uh, of, of you all listening is essentially it's a wheel and there's eight different, it's like a, it's actually like looking at a pizza, <laughs> Tim, forgive the term. <laughs> there's eight slices of this wheel and you've identified eight areas that are helpful for us to look at uh, fun, fun and recreation, physical environment, career, money, health, friends and family, significant other, and personal growth. And you have you ask people when you work with them, and, and I've done this today, of where what's your satisfaction level with each of these? So 10 being you know very satisfied and one being completely unsatisfied. Um, so I actually went through and did this this morning and looked at all of these areas. Um, so I found that really helpful. And we actually do really similar uh, exercise with people in Carnegie classes too, of really visually making it very apparent of what it, where satisfaction is, but also what are some of the holes maybe in life, and so um, and so that was really helpful to me today, and I I'm I'm happy to share if that's uh, if that's something that's helpful as far as our conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is there any something specific that jumped out of that in terms of? Something that's maybe causing you to give an area, one of those areas, a little more attention or step into action in a specific area. Well, I think it's yeah. There's there's two things that come to mind. One is is how high some of them are, um, which which is really surprising to me in a nice way because some of the things that I have here that I've rated higher are things that I've previously really struggled with. So, for example. If I look at like friends and family and fun and recreation, not so much the family piece, but the friends piece, that's always been a struggle with me throughout my entire life of having just good, solid friendships um, in my life with people I interact with regularly, of hang out with, good social relationships. I, I just tend to be a quieter person and I've not been intentional about that in many stages of my life of creating those. And I feel like I'm at a really good place right now. Um, I've really develop some of those friendships part partially from the from this show but also just in my personal life locally too um, and that's something I really worked on so I feel good about that um, and so that's something that's a that's really a positive um, on the on the more unsatisfied side the two that are ranked lower for me right now are career and health and it's not that they're horribly low and in fact at other times, I might have given myself a much higher rating with where I am right now in both those areas. Um, but uh, but but 
and they actually relate because I think career-wise, in many ways, I've spread myself too thin, and I'm, I've realized that recently. And as part of that, I've known for a while, but I've, I've definitely not done as good a job of focusing, like you were just talking about, Tim. And, and that's, and, and then the health piece is also, it's one of those things that I think of, like, if I did a little bit better with that. I would pick up a lot of satisfaction in other areas too. Um, I previously was a very consistent runner and I still run occasionally, but um, having small children around has definitely impacted schedules on that. So um, that's the kind of thing that making a little bit of a shift would probably help me in a lot of these other areas of two with energy level and satisfaction. So those are kind of the two areas that for me right now, when I look at them, I'm like, okay, that's, those are, those are potentially areas that a little bit more focus and intentionality would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I think the wheel of life is a really useful tool just to, to kind of uh, step into this, this practice of reflection and, and going through the wheel takes typically less than a minute. It's not something to overthink. It's just kind of choosing the first number that comes into mind. And it, it can be interesting to do it like uh, once a week or once a month and then look back and just notice, are things shifting in a positive direction? Are they as a satisfaction falling in some areas? Uh, just to get some kind of metrics on the whole process there. I find that's really useful. Uh, one thing to mention about the wheel too, and this might be a nice segue into the, the second pillar, is it's not really about uh, this area is good or bad. It's more about workability. And the question I typically ask is not what's wrong that needs to be fixed, but what's missing that if that were present, it would have a positive impact on this area and ultimately all areas of life. Yeah. And in some, and in my case, like what's uh, what's too much? Like what should I also take out potentially that would help the satisfaction level, like when I think of career, for example, Tim, it's almost like there's an aspect of of, of being a victim of one's own success here too, of t- too many things going well and not doing as good a job of focusing on a few of them. And so that that's something that that really resonates with me too. When I look at this model and I think of like, okay, <laughs> how could I be a little more intentional about my time and my influence? Yeah. I think that's one of the uh, challenges in our time in general is there's often so much opportunity and and uh, there's a richness in having all that opportunity, but trying to take on too much creates a, creates an unhealthy relationship to life and stress and excessive stress and all those sorts of things. So it's, yeah, it's again being, and we'll get into this in a moment about being selective and where the time and energy goes and not trying to do too much all at once. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about the second pillar is that it's the, the term is acceptance that you use, which isn't generally one of the words that comes up when you think about how do I be more holistically productive in my life. So, so tell me the philosophy around that, and then how do you? What are some of the practical things that come under this? Yeah, so the the basic concept there is if you're not accepting life, you're resisting life and resisting takes a lot of energy and it's it's counterproductive. So if someone's spending at a very tangible level, they might be complaining about how busy they are. And we were, we were having a laugh earlier where uh, I think it was something I heard in Ireland where the, someone said, oh, no matter how busy I am, I'm, I always have time or no matter, yeah, no matter how busy I am, I always have time to talk about how busy I am. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of funny. Indeed. And I, I witness that all the time. And I certainly witness it in myself too. And 
I'm not immune to these, but I've gotten better at identifying uh, when I'm resisting life, um, when there's that lack of acceptance. So it's really just taking that energy that's used for resisting and using it for something more positive and essentially saying this is the way things are at the moment. Um, some things are working really well, some things not so well. And if I can accept this, then I, I can let go of the resistance and free up all this energy that I would have spent complaining or feeling bad about things or whatever form that takes. Okay, makes sense. So what's a, a situation that you've either handled or worked with a client on that you found that that acceptance has been helpful to to them in framing that? Um, let's see. Well, in the last week, I acknowledge I, I got a little bit overcommitted. I was uh, teaching a lot of yoga classes and I had some uh, some things going on in my business and launching a new webinar and so forth. And I realized I was I didn't really have much time to uh, just kind of hang out and relax. Um, but I found the more I was able to accept that, um, the the better the flow of the day came went came on. So I wouldn't want to do that every week, but it actually proved to be a very good week um, because I was accepting. Okay, this week is you know there's a lot going on. I know next week I'll have some time to relax and not complaining about you know I don't have any time to kind of kick back uh, this week. It's it's just kind of go go go. Oh, okay. Uh, so so it's yeah. really. The acceptance here is maybe not even necessarily taking a different action, but it's mentally getting ourselves in the place where like, okay, this is a a busy day or a week or a season or a project or whatever, and um, and making peace with that of saying, let me do the best I can of focusing here now so that at a later time, I can, uh, I can really enjoy that time or that balance or whatever, whatever the right word is as far as being able to really look at things more holistically. Am I, did I frame that right? Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely um, a big part of it. Uh, I think the the other piece there is that um, there's also a learning component available to say, okay, teaching six yoga classes in a week as well as working full-time is a bit too much. And I've learned that this week and I realize, you know, my own practice that it suffers or I don't get as much time to relax as I need. And so it's taking that wisdom and actually seeing it as a gift and say, oh, great, great. Um, I've uh, taken too much on this week. What can I learn from that? And, and, and also I find one of the most sort of practical ways to practice acceptance is through gratitude mm. instead of saying, you know, how did I let myself get to this place? And it's just saying, oh, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have these opportunities to to teach people and to, to share what I've learned and um, and just really dwelling in that space of gratitude. And that it's pretty hard to be kind of a victim and grateful at the same time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, and there's always things to be, be grateful for. Even when I was very ill back in 2008 and going through a stage four cancer acceptance was one of the most powerful practices that uh, that I engaged in. And it's not like I was accepting it all the time, but I, I knew how to get to that place and I got practice at being there. So whether it's major life circumstances or or a busier week than, uh, than would be preferable, then I think these practices apply equally well. I like that. And the balance of both acceptance in the moment, but also learning for the future. And, and I can resonate with that right now, Tim, because I've, um, for the last, uh, what was coming to mind for me is the last two or three years, I've taught graduate courses at uh, the university Bonnie teaches at a, a couple a year. And I've noticed over the last couple of seasons of doing that, that I'm extremely um, 
uh, stressed isn't even the right word, but not operating with any margin when those classes are going on. And even though they're very short and very intense courses and, um, and, and that's been a learning process, it, it didn't happen immediately, but I've definitely noticed that that's something that I, I needed to do something about if I wanted to have see, you know, a large, a larger number of seasons of life where I'm operating with a little bit more margin. Um, cause I, I think that margin's really key for all of us on, on how effective we can be. Mm-hmm. And something else to add in there, even when life gets, I'd say even especially when life gets very full and maybe there is some, so a bit of overcommitment there. I think it's so essential to reflect, um, to say, okay, it's the beginning of the day. I know I've got a lot going on today, but that's, it might seem kind of counterproductive to kind of hit the pause button and 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 look at the day, but that's I think the most productive way to approach it. And then it becomes clear about you know what what can realistically be done today. What is something that can be left to another day? What are the what are the key sort of uh, things to put in place um, beyond and what anything kind of bonus beyond that? And I think the flip side of that is the tendency is um, I've noticed this for myself certainly is to to kind of uh, not be especially unproductive that day because there's so many things that I could be doing and uh, and not actually doing any of them or, or just touching them and not really making much progress. So it's, so it's taking that, uh, taking some time to reflect and saying, okay, this is what I'm up against today and I'm going to block off some time for specific things that I know need to get done. I'm going to make sure I have some breaks during the day, even though it's it's a very full day. And uh, just just acknowledge that there's some stuff that I'd maybe like to get done that's not going to happen. So let's look at focus. And you mentioned this earlier. This is the third pillar um, because I think that this ties right in with that, Tim, is why is focus so critical for us to really be holistically more effective and productive? Um, I've just found, and uh, certainly a lot of research to support this, that if... Uh, if we're trying to do too many things all at once and create too much change, uh, it's we're, we're changing gears a lot. And every time we change gears, every time we shift to a different context, there's some loss of productivity. So I found it's much more effective just to, instead of trying to do like uh, uh, 30 projects over over like 12 months to just say, I'm going to do three this month and and just leave the other other 27 behind and then kind of slot them in and maybe some of them will even just become irrelevant at some point along the, along the way. Um, there's a great quote from Steve Jobs on this uh, too. I've, I've got here, he says, that's been one of my mantras, focus and simplicity. Simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple, but it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. And it reminds me of when Steve Jobs uh, came back to Apple and the company was pretty much in shambles at that point. And, and they had all kinds of products going on. And some of the people who work there didn't know what about some of the products and some were only available in education. It was a real, real sort of jumble. And, uh, and he came back and simplified things. And that's where the, the company turns around. Uh, so that, that can work at a... Uh, definitely at a macro level, but I think it can work equally well at an individual level to to get to that place of focus and simplicity and say, okay, what is the what is most important right now? What uh, what will support me in moving forward? What's the best uh, use of my time over the next week or the next month or whatever time frame that's being looked at? 
and the challenge I find both for myself and the people I work with, Tim, is that our human tendency is do the exact opposite. Like if we want to be more productive of like to take on a whole bunch of different things. And you're you're so right. Like simplicity is way more difficult than complexity. It's easy to do lots of things. And that's one of the things I I love about your approach and what we do at Dale Carnegie is very much getting people to focus on one area. And then when they do, it's really profound at how that improvement in that one area can influence so many other areas of of life. And I, I think even back to when Marshall Goldsmith was on the show last month, is he he's famous for, as an executive coach working with Fortune 500 leaders, of, of just focusing with people on one thing at a time and getting and, and, and seeing progress there. And then that one thing influencing so many other areas. Yeah. And I think another piece of that is there's the satisfaction of actually completing something yeah, versus the yeah. satisfaction of making a little bit of movement on a whole bunch of different projects is not nearly as, as significant, but to actually start something and complete it and see a measurable result. I think that really helps to keep the momentum going. And and I think the only practical way to really do that is to limit the number of uh, of projects that are being taken on it, uh, simultaneously. And that brings to mind an interview I heard with our my fellow Canadian, Jim Carey, who's uh, um, definitely has a, a silly side to him, but he's very, I didn't realize how profound he was in his approach to life. And sometimes the, the lessons masquerade uh, under the sort of the, the humor of, of movies doing, but he was talking about this movie, Yes Men. Um, it's quite an entertaining little flick. And but one thing he shared from um, his own experiences is that, is that every time he says no to something, he's saying yes to something else. So there is, in a sense, there's no such thing as saying yes or no. It's just, there's just two sides to the coin. So maybe yeah. if you're saying no to not leading that, no to leading the course, you're saying yes to spending time with your family. Or, right, so right. Very, very interesting to look at the, the flip side there. I, I love that way of looking at it because the way I've heard previously is if I'm saying yes to this in this time, I'm saying no to everything else I would do at that time. Um, but I like the way you framed it better of that if I'm if I say no to this, I'm saying yes to the things that I know are important in my life that I've already identified as being really critical for my happiness and my career success. Yeah, and uh, quote David Allen, he, he says you can do you can do anything, you just can't do everything. So it's 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 really a, a luxury to have so many opportunities to pick from, and it is a choice. It's not like you go into a restaurant and everything on the menu looks good, so you order everything. That would, probably wouldn't go so well, but uh, it's there's an abundance, uh, prosperity in, in actually having all of these positive opportunities to, to draw from and actually having a choice. Well, this is a good segue into the fourth pillar, inspired action. And we have an action for the community here to take in just a few moments. But uh, but before we get to that, Tim, what when when you are working with people at this point, what is the what are the considerations we should have when we're thinking about what are the actions we can take? Yeah, so one one way of approaching life, uh, maybe somebody has identified an area to focus on, um, and it can occur sometimes that I need to do some things so I can have something so I can be a certain way. So I need to land this new job or take the business to the next level so I can be happy and fulfilled. And inspired action is it's really you going into a, an imaginative space, a creative space, and and choosing the goal and what would be a, a really inspired outcome. And actually, 
almost stepping into a time machine uh, and just imagining what it would be like to be there. So if you were writing a book, what would it be like to sit in, be sitting there signing copies of your book? Or if you were in that position, uh, senior management that you wanted to get to, what would it actually be like to to be sitting in your office and have having team members walking into your your office and working with that team and just really tuning into what's the emotion behind that. How does that feel? Even, even our posture tends to shift. Uh, our facial expressions might change radically. It's, it's easier for other people to see it. And so it's always a fun exercise to do in courses. Um, and then uh, realizing that that inspiration that was created in the moment, even though nothing has changed, can be called upon at any point. So it's acting as if that thing that you want to achieve already exists and and taking that attitude so it's even the the challenging more mundane actions become come from a place of inspiration there tends to be much more of a flow versus the sort of drudgery of having to do something to get to a certain place to be a certain way well tim that is uh that that just it sounds so good and i know that one of the stopping points for a lot of us is that we hear a model like this and we say, okay, it sounds good. And then we kind of go on with our day and we operate under what we've always done before. And so one of the things you and I talked about in advance is let's find a way to really help people to step into action. And so um, so I'm, I'm really thrilled, speaking of action, to offer an opportunity for our community that I think it's going to be really helpful to people, Tim, particularly for uh, for you if you're listening and are saying, hey, that that sounds good. I should be doing more of that. And if you're having that feeling listening to this conversation, I would like to extend an invitation to you along here with Tim. We have decided to host a free webinar that is going to be uh, airing on Thursday, July 30th. And that is going to be held at 10 a.m., Pacific time here on the West Coast of North America and one o'clock Eastern time uh, for those of you who are on the East Coast of North America. And if you're in another place, you can do the time zone adjustment. And the webinar is going to be for an hour. And the topic is going to be how to step into action with holistic productivity. And we're going to take um, Tim's model, look at it in detail. Tim is going to be our guide uh, and, and really help us to identify a strategic area for each of us to focus on, help you to determine your first actions to create a positive shift, and also to give all of us an opportunity to connect and get inspired by other members of the Coaching for Leaders community. And so Tim and I have uh, teamed up. I'll be on the webinar as well. And uh, we're, uh, we're inviting you to participate. And I think, Tim, we're, we're going to offer this to the first uh, 20 people uh, or so that uh, decide to take action, I think, is what we can support on the, on the webinar. And so um, a couple of logistics for you to know if you'd like to do this is what you want to do is um, get on a computer. If you'd like to participate, we'd love to see you. Um, and so we, Tim has a great system set up to do video conferencing through a service that both of us use called Zoom. And so we're not going to be recording the, the uh, webinar, but we do want people to interact and for us to have a chance to video conference with you and to walk you through these areas. And so if that's something you're willing to do, um, here's the link you're going to want to go to in order to reserve your spot coachingforleaders.com slash step into action. So again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash step into action. I'll put the link on the show notes. And again, it's Thursday, July 30th, 2015, 10 a.m. Pacific, one o'clock Eastern time. 
and our topic again, how to step into action with holistic productivity. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to really go into depth uh, with uh, those in the community, Tim, who are really wanting to move forward on this. And um, and I, I'm just excited to see what comes out of it uh, with the conversation. And uh, what did I miss? What else should we tell folks that I, I didn't hit on? Uh, no, that's that's a great uh, great synopsis. Uh, what what will make this different, maybe from other webinars you've been to, is you'll actually be able to see everyone who's there and interact. And so, uh, when I lead webinars as much as possible, I like to make them more like an in person experience, uh, not just kind of sitting back and getting some information, but having a chance to to share and participate if you choose to. And uh, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity to actually meet other people from the coaching for leaders community. In the, and I know it's such a rich community and having that that face-to-face um, experience, I think will help to take it to the next level. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really giddy, Tim, to like get the chance to see people on video and to get to, to work with folks. And uh, so it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. And I, I just really can't wait to see what comes out of it for folks. And and I think that it, um, and, and this, like you said, will be very different than, this is not one of those webinars where you uh, you hit the play button and you kind of sit and eat your lunch and do other things. Um, we really are going to set it up as a very interactive experience. So we think it'll be a, a lot of fun for you if you decide to participate. So we hope that you do. Um, and, and apologies in advance if we can't accommodate you, if you get to this link later, uh, well after the show airs. Uh, but again, if you are interested, coachingforleaders.com slash step into action. Um, Tim, before we uh, before we part ways here today, um, if even for those who may not necessarily take us up on the webinar or or even um, look at anything further with this right now, what's one thing that if all of us considered or thought to do today would help us to be a little more intentional about how we're looking at our lives and our work very holistically? Uh, I'd say uh, just uh, take to take a stab at journaling if you haven't done it before and maybe even set the timer, do it for five minutes. And some people like to do it in a very structured way. I tend to do it pretty much unstructured and some people do it at the beginning of the day, some at the end, but uh, just give that a try. I, I tend to do it more at the beginning of the day as a way of setting the intentions and just letting the uh, letting the thoughts flow. And the beauty of journalizing, journalism, it allows us to see our thoughts in a more objective way. It's pretty, pretty hard to see our own thoughts objectively, but once they're out on our computer screen or a piece of paper, we can actually see them for, for what they're worth. And uh, yeah, maybe just try that as an experiment, um, commit to doing it every day for, for a week, even just five minutes and, and just be, be curious to just see what happens and see where it takes you. I'm going to second that recommendation. Tim, I think about a year ago, I read somewhere that how much joy you will get by going back and looking at your past entries in a journal. And I've now been somewhat inconsistently, but over the last year, been writing journal entries. And I've absolutely found that to be true, especially when it comes to stories about our kids and things I've written, of how much joy I get back, get not only in the moment, but going back and reading it later. So I would really... Um, encourage people to to take that recommendation and to be willing to give it a try. And if you do, let us know how it goes. And just one thing to add as well is if you happen to be on Mac or iOS, there's a beautiful app called Day One. And uh, that's what really helped me get into journaling. It uh, it just adds a new dimension to it. it. You can have it keep track of where you were when you did the entry, even what the temperature was. Uh, your journal entry for the day might just be a picture with with a few words or something like that. And just something to mark that point in time and and capture the significance of it. 
And just taking the time to do that is a practice of reflection in itself. Yeah, it's a really cool app. And I think I've recommended it before too, Tim. So check that out if you are on a Mac or using an iPhone or an, an iPad. It's a great way to get into that habit of doing it. Tim, uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for getting me thinking about how I can be more holistically productive. And I am just thrilled and can't wait to uh, get to see people live on July 30th and uh, reconnecting with you too. Okay. Thanks very much, Dave. A pleasure as always. I want to thank Tim again for partnering with me to offer this free upcoming webinar. Again, that's Thursday, July 30th, 2015 at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. And so if that is of interest to you, hop online uh, quickly because it will likely fill. We've just got room for 20 folks in order to make everything work well with the video. Coachingforleaders.com slash step into action is the best way to get there and you'll be able to hold your spot. And of course, that link will be in the uh, leadership guide coming on Wednesday. But if you're really interested in getting on the webinar, I'd hop on there even sooner as soon as you hear this, just to make sure that you can get a spot. So again, coachingforleaders.com slash step into action. As always, I uh, love to get your comments and questions for the next Q&A show that is coming up here in two weeks. And you can submit comments and questions anytime at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's the best way to get them to us. And while you're online, please join my weekly leadership guide. It is delivered to your inbox on Wednesdays. It includes always my recommendations for articles, podcasts, videos, books, uh, some thoughts from me on all those. And I curate it in such a way that'll be helpful to you on a particular topic, get you thinking more about your leadership immediately and what you can do to continue to better yourself in one aspect of leadership. And it also includes an overview of the weekly show notes every week. So if you listen while you're on the go, it'll give you a good way to follow up on the links and resources that we mentioned in every show. And as a bonus, if you haven't joined before, you're going to get the weekly leadership guide on Wednesdays, of course, but access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others with brief summaries for me on the value of each of those books. It's an 11-page reader's guide and a nine-minute video of all those book recommendations. So check that out all at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe is how you get there. And thanks in advance for those of you who have joined recently or join in the future. I am so glad to get connected with you that way. And it's a great way to stay in touch with the Coaching for Leaders community and continue to keep your development going between the shows. And speaking of between shows, something's going to happen next week that I don't think has happened in maybe, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. I'm taking the week off. Yep, that's right. No show next week. So the next Coaching for Leaders uh, will air on Monday, August 3rd, 2015. That'll be our next Q&A show. So no show next week. Hope you enjoy the week off and uh, get a chance maybe to listen something you don't normally listen to. And uh, have a wonderful week. And I look forward to our next conversation together in two weeks. And if you do join the webinar, I'll see you on, I will see you actually do on Thursday, July 30th. Thanks again and have a great two weeks. Take care.